When you turn to Matthew chapter 2, and if, if not, I, I believe I have it on the slide, I want to talk about, you know the, the story, and of course we have this mindset of, of uh, the three wise men or, or the three kings. You know, we have that, that wonderful song, um, We Three Kings of Orient. And really I want to talk about the wise men and, and how they came to worship. So Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 12 or 13, and I forgot to mention this, we have these daily devotionals that are in the back, and I'd like for you to take them. There's a daily devotion back there. There's a prayer. They're in the back. Please take them. If you can afford to put 350 and help us cover the cost, please do that. If not, just take them. They go to waste. There's a daily devotion. It's a prayer. It's an awesome thing. I, I would love for you to have those. All right. Matthew chapter 2. Are you ready? Three of you are ready. Matthew. Let me get there myself. Matthew chapter 2. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you that you sent your son Jesus Christ to give us life. We thank you for salvation. We thank you for power. We thank you for healing. We thank you, Lord God, for the greatest gift, and that's Jesus Christ. We thank you that you have a big vision for every person in this church. We thank you that you have a big vision for this church to touch this area, to touch the world. And we want to be a part of that. So, Lord, during this Christmas time, the hustle and bustle, the worrying, the overspending, the overeating, the overstress that, Father, we rediscover what Christmas is all about and that that person is Jesus Christ. And so, Lord, help us this morning to come into You, into Your presence. Let us receive the Word today with gladness and joy and let it change us. Fill us up with Your Spirit today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, Matthew chapter 2. Matthew chapter 2, verse 1. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem, in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people, people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Christ was to be born. In Bethlehem, in Judea, they replied, This is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will be the shepherd of my people, Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to, to Bethlehem and said, Go and make a careful search for the child. As soon as you, you may find him, report to me, so that I too may go and worship him. Verse 9. After they had heard... The, Heard the king, they went on the way, and the star they had seen in the east went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. Verse 10, here's some key parts. Verse 10, when they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, of incense, and of myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. Let's just stop there. Okay, so you know what's going on here. We, we know what's happened. Jesus was born. Now again, we, because of the song, We Three Kings of Orient, we think that the wise men came the night that Jesus was born. If you look at Scripture here, it, it actually looks like that they may have come months later or even possibly a couple years later. And so these wise men, they saw the star from the east and they came and they, they came. And so King Herod, they come to King Herod, of course, because he's the king, he he's oversees the area. They come to him and say, hey, where's, this, where's Jesus? We've come to worship him. Of course, King Herod is disturbed. All Jerusalem is disturbed. He sends them off. They go and they find Jesus in a house. They worship him. They're excited. They bring their treasures. They bring gifts to him. And then they go home a different way because they're warned by the Spirit of God. Okay, so this morning, let me talk about this just for a moment. Everyone in this world worships someone or something. Would you agree with that? Come on, every one of us in our lives, sometimes we, work, we get out of kilt with our worship and we worship things or we worship other people. And in this world of stardom, we have a natural inclination to do that. That's just part of what's in us. And there are many stars to worship. There's movie stars. There's sports stars. There's music stars. There's political stars. There's religious stars. Uh, there's all kinds of stars. There's even the stars in the skies that people worship. And after Jesus was born, these magi from the east saw the star and they followed the star. Now, probably the magi came from, these wise men came from Iran or Persia. So I did a little Google search to make sure. They traveled about a thousand miles. Now, is a thousand miles long? Okay, now, we're, we're blessed because we can get on a train, a plane, 
or an automobile, right? These men walked or rode horses or donkeys for a thousand miles to find Jesus. That's a lot, right? That's a long way. So these wise men traveled a far distance and they came to worship Him. And so this morning I want to look at the many truths that are in this description of, of the wise men coming to Jesus. Now, let me talk about real quick the Magi. The Magi are the wise men. These were not your run-of-the-mill magicians. These are, not the, these are not the people that you hire to do your birthday party or someone might hire, hire for a, a bar mitzvah. Okay? These are not those kind. You know, the balloons or the, hey, there's a coin behind your ear. Okay? Are you following me? You're supposed to laugh a little bit. Okay? These are not the guys that have the, you know, the, trick, the trick napkins and all that. These were very intellectual. Uh, they were students. They were, probably had the equivalents of multiple doctorates in their time. They were, they were wise people. They were highly educated men of science, men of medicine, philosophy, and religion. And they, they understood astronomy and astrology. They understood different things. And they were often called on by the kings or the rulers of their nation to say, hey, we need insight. Would you give us wisdom? What would, we, what would you do in this situation? Or what message is this? That is, is this a God speaking to us? Is this the God of the universe speaking to us? So they would call on these wise men. Now these wise men in Persia, over a thousand miles away from Jerusalem, knew that Jesus would be born someday. And that's probably because Daniel, remember Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, the, the children of Israel were taken captive and brought into Persia. And so Daniel, remember we talked about that, I don't know, a few months ago, that Daniel never, he never compromised his faith. And so he brought the prophecies with him. And so they understood the prophecies from Daniel. So these Persian, these wise men, these magis, men of intellect, okay, because today we see people and they say, hey, Christians are a bunch of brain dead people. They just, you know, they, they, they're just non-intelligent. And I would, of course, you would all beg to differ because you're all like IQs of 5,000, right? You're all smart people. You're good looking, right? You've got a great smile. You're, you're intellectual. And you've decided to follow Jesus. And so these wise men were very educated, very cultured people, and they knew that there would be a Messiah. And so today, even today, people are still looking for the Messiah. They're still looking for answers in the stars. They're still looking for answers through, through the stars, movie stars, actors, sports musicians. They're looking for answers, but yet they're not finding it in the star of Jesus Christ. And so I want to remind us that Christmas is about this person that was born in a manger, who grew up to be a man, who was, who was crucified, and was, who was buried, and was resurrected, and who brought life, and didn't start a religion, but started a faith, and brought us the opportunity to have a relationship with Almighty God. Amen? So let's talk about this just for a few moments. These men, obviously, were, were wise beyond their years. So number one is, they came. It says, number one, write this down. Where is the king? I just mentioned a few minutes ago that the world was looking for a Messiah. Think about how the world was in. They didn't have internet. They didn't have Chipotle. They didn't have Starbucks. They didn't have dry cleaning. They didn't have fresh running water, toilets like we have today. They didn't have refrigerators. And, so not, and then not on top of that, those things, you know, wash, they didn't have wash machines. They didn't, um, the government was, was very cruel. The Roman Empire was growing at the time. There was a very militaristic, conquering government. And then specifically here in Jerusalem, think about the people in Jerusalem. They were under, they had the, the Roman tax. They had the, the tax from, from King Herod, who, who was, he was a weird guy anyway. We'll talk about him in a few moments. And then there was the religious tax in the temples. They gave their tithe and they had temple tax. And so, so life was not really that good. You think we have it bad. And it is, I'm, not, I'm not bemeaning or, or belittling our tough times today. But this was even more hopeless than I would think possibly our times are. And I'm not saying that your situation is not, is not tough. But I'm saying we've got to think about how depressing life was. I mean, the government took your money. That happens today, right? The other government took your money. The church took the money. And then, of course, you know, weird King Herod was weird and, and took your money. And so life was depressing and they were discouraged and there was no answer. There, there was this militaristic government trying to rule their lives. And then you had, this, you had this maniacal, homicidal King, King Herod controlling your lives. And so life was terrible. So they're looking for a king. They were looking for the Messiah. And they knew about him. And it's sad that during the Christmas season, it's funny, you're talking to, to Michaela and Zoe and they have holiday concerts. And I remember as a kid growing up, it was Christmas concerts in school. We had Christmas parties. We had Christmas break. Now it's winter break. Now it's holiday break. And, and, and that's fine. I understand we're in a multicultural area. 
And we want to love and respect people. But this is about Christmas. This is the season about Christmas. And yes, Hanukkah is coming next week and there's Kwanzaa and, and, and there's all these other things. That are, but, but this nation was once a Christian, Christian nation. And so even during this Christmas time, people are still looking for hope. And the church must not back down. We must offer Jesus. He is the hope. Amen. He is the King. Amen. So these men, they look to, to the King. And today, sadly, people blindly follow actors, musicians, politicians, and even religious leaders without, without even thinking about what these people believe in. And today I want you to know that you can blindly, you don't have to blindly, but you can fully with your eyes open follow Jesus. He will never lead you astray. Amen? He will not take advantage of you. He will lead you into truth. And so Jesus is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And in the book of Revelation 17, 14, it says they will make war. Speaking of the world against Jesus, they will make war against the Lamb, but the Lamb will overcome them because He is the Lord of lords and the King of kings. And with Him will be His called chosen and faithful followers. So right now, and as you know, there's places, some of you have seen that, where governments now are, are taking down manger scenes, the governments are, are making it so you can't even talk about Jesus in school and church anymore. You can talk about every other God I talked to you about. I talked to a state legislator here in Maryland. He said, he said they can bring anyone and they can pray in any name they want during the opening sessions, to open the sessions, but they cannot mention the name of Jesus. Why is that? Because Jesus changes lives. You see, that's why. And so people are trying to snuff out Jesus because Jesus is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Amen? And so this morning, my question for us is, hey, are we ready? Because Jesus came as a baby, but the second time, He's coming as the Savior. And He will rule. He will judge. And I hope that you're ready. I hope that Jesus is your King. Amen? You see, Jesus came to restore us to you and, you and, to you and I, to God. The second thing, we're following along this text. Number two is, they said we saw His star. They saw his star in the east, and they were divinely guided by God to find Jesus. Now God showed them the truth in the stars. In fact, the Bible says here in Romans 1.20, For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that men are without excuse. In other words, God says, I have made known my love to you throughout all creation through the stars, through whatever you do, through God speaks to us. And so God has made it known clearly through creation, His prophets and His word, that He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And I know, here it is, these wise men, they trusted in heavenly guidance. They followed the first GPS system. Did you know that? Think about that. They followed the first GPS system. And it was, it was the God positioning system as it was, not the global, okay? And so it amazes me, though, that many, look, they, many people in this world look to forbidden divination for guidance instead of coming to God. They talk to their friends. They, they listen to the, the political talking shows, but they never crack open this book for divine guidance. And it even amazes me sometimes, even in the church, that even church people don't go to this book for guidance. It discourages me that, that we're all into aliens and Bigfoot and Elvis, but we're afraid of the moving of the Holy Spirit. We're afraid to listen. We're afraid during the worship time to slow down enough just to wait on the Holy Spirit. Because someone will speak in a tongue or some weird thing will happen. And you see, it's funny because we're open to all kinds of other speakings. But we're afraid of the Holy Spirit. We're afraid of holy guidance. The Bible says in John 15, 16, and 17 that the Holy Spirit is our comforter. He will guide us. And so some of us are afraid to ask for guidance because we're afraid He might guide us somewhere that we don't want to go. But where God guides us, it's better. I want to challenge you. Don't be afraid to look to God. Don't be afraid to look to the heavens for guidance in your career in who you're to marry someday, in your job, in your schooling, in, in all that you're to do, say, God, guide me. He has a, the best plan for you, amen? Jeremiah 29, 11, remember that? He says, I, have a, I, have, I don't have destruction for you, but I have a hope, I have a future for your life. So why be afraid of divine guidance in God, amen? Amen? Don't go to the movie stars, they're, they're all messed up anyway, Right? Sports stars, I mean, they change their hair, they change their body tattoos, they change their teeth, they change their songs, and they change their politics all the time. Why follow someone like that? Why not follow Jesus who will lead you to eternal life? 
Why not listen to the Holy Spirit? Why not be open to the gifts of the Spirit? Amen? Come on, church. Amen? Go to the Bible. Spend time in prayer. God will guide you. In fact, here's what Matthew chapter 5 says. It's blessed, verse 6. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. The Bible says that if you seek after God, He will fill you. You have to want Him. He will fill you. Then Matthew 5, 8 says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Well, I'm not holy. I'm not righteous. I'm, I'm, let me give you a news flash. There is no one righteous. No one is holy except God. And because of Jesus, you and I can go into God's presence. Every one of us have our problems. Every one of us have our secrets and, and the little things that we struggle with. And God is gracious and He sends Jesus. And His blood covers us so that we can boldly come before God. And we can see Him. Amen? Isn't that awesome? Come on, that's what Christmas is about. Amen? Christmas, lift up your heads to heaven. Call on Jesus. He wants to meet your needs. Let's rediscover what Christmas is about. Amen? Amen? The next one, the, the third one. We have come to worship Him. They, they came to worship Him. The Magi set off on an energetic search for Jesus. As I said, they traveled afar. They traveled probably over a thousand miles. They left home. They left family. They left their jobs. They made it their business to find Jesus. You see, today, many in our society, and sadly, some in the church, they want Jesus to come to them when it's convenient for us. And I don't want to sound old-fashioned room, but it's, that's wrong. We come to Jesus at any expense, at any cost. We travel any distance. That, that We come to Jesus, amen, to worship Him. You see, worship of God, unfortunately, in many in this nation, is done when it's convenient. And worship, and the worship really means it's a sacrifice. It means an adoration. It means a giving of yourself to God. And sadly, in America, we want to be worshipped. We want Jesus to fit to our needs. We want Him to bow down to our lifestyles. And, and, and here, these wise men, these rich people, these, these people that were of, of stature, they came and they, they traveled afar, they gave all that they had, and they came and bowed down at Jesus' feet. I think the church in America, we're missing something. We've forgotten that He is the King of Kings. He is the Lord of Lords. It was all laced through the worship songs that He is the healer, but yet He is the King. And that we're to lay our lives before Him. Amen? We're to worship Him. We're to give Him. So these, these wise men, they came to worship Him, not because it was convenient, but because He was Lord. And they traveled afar, and they did not rest in it. it, it it's, it's sometimes discouraging to me as believers. We get discouraged when we don't find God and we want to quit. And I want to encourage you, don't quit. Because God always rewards those who seek after Him. Amen? So in your worship, if you come to worship Jesus, or if you come because it's convenient, I hope that you come because it's Jesus that you came to see today. Amen? It's not Pastor Stan. It's, it, it's not, and also, our worship team is awesome. They're, they do a great job. But I hope it's because you came to worship Jesus. Amen? And so they came to worship. The fourth thing, I want to talk about this just for a few moments. This kind of relates to our world even today. King Herod and the city were disturbed. King Herod was, as I talked to you about this, and if you remember some of the past Christmas messages, King Herod was a deranged leader. And it's not, uh, it's not uncommon that we have, and, I, and you wonder sometimes how these egotistical, maniacal people would come into leadership. In fact, King Herod was so deranged that he had, he had many killed because he, he perceived them as a threat to his throne. In fact, he had three of his sons killed, he had one of his wives killed, and he had a mother-in-law killed because he perceived that they were a threat to his throne. You talk about a messed up government, right? And later, after, after this, after, after the wise men went another route, then he ordered the, the killing of all boys in Bethlehem, two years old and under. This guy was deranged. He was wicked. Herod was afraid because this baby would interfere with his life. This baby who would become Jesus would interfere with his place, his power, his influence. And even today, listen to this, even today governments and public places are disturbed by Jesus because they don't want their lives to be disrupted by Jesus. They don't want their sin to be shown out because of Jesus. Amen? 
You see, even today, as I talked about, speaking the name of Jesus, and I was talking, Zoe again has this holiday concert, and some of the Christmas carols are singing, they have to change the words Merry Christmas to Merry Holidays. And of course, part of me is, I was like, okay, I understand that they're, you know, but then you get mad. I get mad. I was like, are you serious? They're going to sing about, and no offense, Hanukkah and Kwanzaa and all this stuff, but they, but they can't say Merry Christmas. They can say Happy Hanukkah and, and, and whatever else, but they can't. And I'm thinking, seriously, why? Because Jesus will upset them. He will disturb their lifestyle. For a good reason, actually. And so you see, Jesus will interfere with those He comes in contact. First Peter 2, 6-8 says this, for, for the Scripture, it says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in Him, listen, the one who trusts in Jesus will never be put to shame. Now to you who believe, this stone is precious. Okay, so Jesus is precious to those who believe. Now, here's what happens to those who do not believe. Listen to this. But those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected have become the capstone and a stone that causes men to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. Here it is. They stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they were destined for. So Jesus in their lives, showing them their lives, offends them. That's why the politicians have banned praying in the name of Jesus in the state legislator. Do you understand that? Because Jesus will offend people's lives. He changes them. He, he confronts them with truth. Amen? That's why in the schools and the public realms, they're taking manger scenes down. They're telling the kids, don't say Merry Christmas, don't mention Jesus, change it to Merry Holidays and, and Holiday Child. Because Jesus disturbs people. Even this little baby in this little picture disturbs people. Because Jesus would grow up and He would become the Messiah. He would become the Savior. Amen? You see, the people in the city, it said the people in the city were stirred by Jesus. And in the same, t- in the same thing today, everybody loves a baby Jesus, right? Baby Jesus is easy, right? Because He's a baby, right? Okay, or, or everybody loves hippie Jesus. Come on, hippie Jesus, right? Hippie Jesus was the one, remember? He was in his robes and he's like, hey man, peace. He had the long beard, the long hair. He just said, hey man, God loves you. Peace to everyone. Hey, just do what you want. It's okay, I will love you. Everyone loves baby Jesus and hippie Jesus, right? But they don't like the king of king Jesus, right? In fact, many of us, even in this room, we're troubled by the king of king, the Lord of Lord Jesus, because the king of king Jesus says, go and sin no more. That Jesus troubles us, right? The love your neighbors and your enemy Jesus, He disturbs us, doesn't He? Come on, am I getting amen to this? The Jesus who said, be holy because I'm holy, He disturbs us, right? The Jesus who said, forgive one another, that Jesus disturbs us, right? Come on. The Jesus that said, go and make disciples of all nations, He really disturbs us. Come on, Pastor, I'm busy, I've got Christmas parties, I've got work, I don't have time to tell people about Jesus. You tell that to Jesus. <laughs> okay? You see, the Jesus that says, Give and it shall be given to you, He disturbs us. The Jesus said, Die to yourself and pick up your cross, He disturbs us. The Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father except through me. That Jesus disturbs people. Amen? You see, people, they have this vision of Jesus being baby Jesus or hippie Jesus, but they don't see Jesus as the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. And Jesus said, He said, If you love me, you will obey my commands. And we have a lot of people in this nation who say they're Christians, but I don't see them obeying the commands of Jesus. Amen? It's easy to love baby Jesus. It's easy to love hippie Jesus. But it's hard to follow Jesus that says, line up in my way or else. We don't like that Jesus, do we? Come on, right? He disturbs us. So, so King Herod and the people of the city were disturbed. Number five, the prophet has written. It is written. If you look through the Bible, it is written. It, it means this is, a, this is a statement of truth. This is true. The chief priests and the prophets, the, the chief priests and the teachers of the law, they knew what the, the wise men were saying was true. And they, they quoted the scripture. They quoted Micah 5. I'll read it to you. 5.2. He says, But you, Bethlehem, Ephaphra, through you, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler of Israel, whose origins are from old and from ancient times. So they told... Herod, that Jesus was the Messiah. Unknowingly, they were saying, this is the Messiah. This, is, this, this prophet had told us that. 
And Jesus fulfilled hundreds of Old Testament prophecies involving His birth. And you see, sometimes, and sadly, even people in the church have a hard time believing that this is the only Word of God. And you might hear someone say, the Word is infallible, there's no faults in it. There, there's no loopholes. There, there might be places where you and I misunderstand it, but there are no, there are no ga- gapping holes, there are no things that, 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 that are, are, are in contrast, that, that confuse, except for when we're confused by the Word of God, because we don't seek the Word of God. And you see, there, there are all kinds of religious people. In fact, when we lived in Utah, you know, I love Mormons, and, and, and they have a different Jesus they worship because they have more than one book. And you see, the Bible is very clear. Again, whatever it says, it is written. You and I as believers have to believe that this is the written Word of God. There's only one Bible. There's only one Christian Bible that God wrote. Okay? And I'm not trying to be rude, but I'm just saying the prophets here said, the Bible is God's only Word. Jesus says this. Jesus is the Word of God. John 14.6 says, Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the light. No one comes to the Father except through me. So Jesus said those words. Not white men. Not just Jewish men. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the light. No one comes to the Father through me. It's not through Buddha. It's not through Krishna. It's not through Joseph Smith. It's not through any other religion. It's through Jesus Christ. And the church, you must get back and believe, well, I don't, oh, that's so close-minded, Passion. God wrote it. He wrote it. Because it is the best way, it is the way to know Jesus Christ. And so, Jesus is, is then, John 1, 1-3 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. Listen to this. And the Word was God. Do you see this? He was with God in the beginning, speaking of Jesus. Through Him all things were made, without Him nothing was made that has, has been made, and in Him was life, and the life... That was the light of men. Then you go down to John 1.14. It says, The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us, amongst us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. You see, Jesus is the Word of God. Did you, do you understand this? Jesus is God. Jesus is the Word of God. He is the only way to God. I'm not saying that other people don't have holy writings, but it, that doesn't matter compared to the Bible. This is the only written Word of God. There are no other books. There are no other lost chapters. It's all here in the book. The 66 books of the Bible, this was written by God through men over, over a long time. Probably over a century's worth of time. Even the wise men from Persia understood this and knew this. And as Christians, you have to, you have to come to grips with this. This is the Word of God. Don't listen to what Fox News says about it or MSNBC or your Republican friends, your Democrat. Now, they might be right in some of that, but did you know this is the only Word of God? Amen? All right, I'll move on. When God says it is written, this is truth, okay? Number six, they saw the star and they were overjoyed. They saw the star and they were overjoyed. It says that when they saw the star, this is it, they were exuberant when they saw the star of Jesus. This is like when you go see Manchester United kick that little soccer ball around. Or your Redskins, or God's favorite football team, the Denver Broncos. I mean, if you go to these events or concerts, you know, whatever, they get people get, they go ecstatic, they're exuberant, they're overjoyed. But when it comes to Jesus, joy to the world, the Lord has come. Let earth receive her king. Right? What's wrong with us? The wise men knew who Jesus was and they were overjoyed when they saw a star. When I don't know about you, I love Christmas songs. I know I'm tired of the commercialization, but I, I was listening to Christmas music at the end of October. Because I love what Christmas is about. Yes, I have great memories as a kid, but I, my greatest excitement is that Jesus came to save us from ourselves. And I get overexcited, I get joy, I get exuberant about that. And it says that they were overjoyed. And in this time of overeating, overspending, overcommercialization, let us get back to the true meaning of Jesus Christ. Amen? Let's rediscover what Christmas is about. Amen? Rediscover, get, a joy, get joyed about that. And here's how it can do that. The next thing is this. Is verse, verse 21, uh, number 7 says, They bowed down and worshipped Him. They bowed down. The wise men came and bowed down. Now, this is interesting. 
Verse uh, 11 says, Matthew 2.11, On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. They opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, of incense, and of myrrh. Now it's very interesting because the culture back then is when you came into royalty's presence, you were not to come empty-handed. And there's no mention when they came to Herod's palace, they didn't bow down to him. They didn't bring a gift to him. They might have, but it doesn't mention that. But it says when they saw the star of Jesus, they overjoyed. And then it says when they came to the house where Jesus, the child was, they bowed down and worshipped. And the word bow down really means, it means to lay down. They laid down at the feet of Jesus. They laid themselves down. Can you imagine wise men? They didn't do this with King Herod. They laid at the feet of Jesus. And then the next word, it says, they, the, the word bow down means they laid down and then worship. And that word worship means literally, and I'm, please don't be, get me wrong, it literally means like a dog licking his master's hand. I have a pretty cool little dog. He's a Cairn Terrier. He's a, he's a big dog in a little body. You know, Cairn Terrier like uh, Toto from uh, uh, The Wizard of Oz. They're, they're cool dogs. Okay? They're, they're hyper... And, and, and so, so, so when he, you know, he, he loves us and we love him and he reciprocates by licking, right? And so he will bow down at us sometimes and he'll come and he'll lick our hands. And so, now, so I'm not saying, well, I'm a, am I a dog? No, I'm just saying that these men humbled themselves, these learned men humbled themselves at, at the throne of Jesus, the baby Jesus, and they laid down and they adored him. They were willing, and not, they didn't say they licked him, but they were willing to, to prostrate themselves and adore Jesus Christ. Think about it. How often do we expect Jesus to bow down to us? We expect him to bow down to our schedules, to our needs. Church better be convenient for me. I mean, this is the Lord of all, right? The Creator, I just talked about that. He's created everything. When do we get that mentality? We should get back to, I, it's an honor I get to come to church to worship Jesus. Do you come with a humble heart? Do you come with a proud heart? What's the church going to do for me? What's God going to do for me? Do you come and say, God, thank you for saving me. God, I will bow at your feet. And seriously, when will you be open to allowing yourselves to bow at the feet of Jesus during worship time? When will you allow yourself to be open to the Spirit that there are times when the presence of God is so powerful that it will knock you down on the floor? But if you're not open to that, you're resistant to it. God's not going to force you down. All Sometimes He does, but He wants to do it because He wants you to be open to Him. These wise men brought their gifts. They bowed down and they worshipped Him. Does your worship show your attitude inside? You bet it does. When you come to worship with your hands in your pockets, that shows an attitude. Now I know so it's cold and some of you have it because you're nervous. Let me give you a little hint. Take your hands out of your pockets like this. Do this. Watch this. You can do this. Oh, that's weird. Then do this. That's even weirder. Just surrender to God during the worship time. You will be free. Oh, the people think I'm strange. That's okay. They already think you're strange. Because you follow Jesus. It's okay, man. It's okay. People get excited about footballs and, and movie stars and, and all that. Why not get excited about Jesus, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the Creator of all? Amen? See, does the, how does your attitude uh, affect your worship? Does, that, does worship and praise annoy you or delight you? That tells the condition of your heart. If worship's annoying, you're like, these songs get on my nerves. I can't wait till we get done. I can't wait until Pastor Stan gets done preaching. I'm ready to get out of here then that tells me that your heart is not prepared. That tells God you're not ready to receive from Him during the worship, during the prayer, during the message, during the altar time. Do you come bow down? Are you ready to worship Him? Number eight. Number eight, I'm moving on so I can get done. Number eight, it says, they opened their treasures. As I mentioned, giving gifts was an important thing in the ancient East when approaching royalty. And as I said earlier, you are not to come empty-handed to the king's throne. In fact, the word here, treasures, the word treasure means thesauros. How many know what a thesaurus is? A thesaurus. Thesaurus means wealth. It says they opened their wealth. They opened their wealth to Jesus. 
They were willing to say, I sacrifice this thing. I give it up to God. It says they opened their wealth to Jesus. They gave their treasures to God. The question for you and I is, not just during Christmas time, but do we open our treasures to God? Are we willing to lay everything down at God's feet? So this all belongs to you anyway, God. This is yours. These cars that you allow me to drive, these are yours, God. This, this wallet or this job, this career, this family, this is all yours. I just lay back at your feet and I thank you for it. Or do we come into church tight-fisted? Or do we come to God's presence with nothing to offer Him because we're so consumed with our lives? Because we're holding on to the treasures. And it's sad. I know some of you probably hope none of you <clears throat> hope none of you wasted your money on that mega lottery thing that happened this week. Some of you might have. But it's sad again. It's sad because those people who, who, who win the lottery, usually their lives are ruined after that. In fact, just one of the they were talking about it in the news, uh, the, one of the previous uh, lottery winners was murdered by someone wanting the money from them. Greed, holding on. When you say, God, everything I have is yours, you've given it to me anyway. And coming to the throne of God with an open hand or with something to say, God, I give you my life. Is that what our worship is like today? Number nine. Not only did they open their treasures, but then they presented Him with gifts. Not only did they bring these treasures and open them up to God, then they took precious gifts from them. The Magi presented expensive gifts to Jesus. How many of you know that gold is expensive today? Some of you have invested in gold lately because you're afraid of the economy crashing and you went out and bought gold bullions or gold coins. And that's fine if you do that. That's awesome. I mean, no one, ever, no one really wears copper rings, right? Anybody have copper earrings? Does anybody have a copper wedding band? Anybody have copper ear? Nothing, right? Gold's precious, right? So, so here the Magi, these wise men brought to Jesus gold, frankincense and myrrh. And the original language, again, means that they willingly offered up these gifts to God. My question is, is for us during this worship time, during Christmas season, what have we presented to Jesus? He gave His all for us. Are we willing to give up all for Him? Are we willing to sacrifice? Are we willing to, to leave all things for Jesus? So the gold was, again, given to royalty. Jesus is the King. Then they gave up incense. And incense represented the priestly calling or, or fragrance of worship. Do you give true worship to God? And then finally, the myrrh represented the passion and the burial for the one who died. Are you willing to die to yourself for Jesus Christ? These wise men, these learned individuals, had multiple, probably multiple degrees, they came and they offered their lives. They offered their treasures. How do you and I worship God? How do we worship? We're to worship Him by giving Him our lives. We're opening up our hearts to Him. We're to give Him our time, our treasures, our talents. So let me talk about this just real briefly. Here's how we do this. Number one is we offer our tithes and offerings. Matthew 3.10 says, Bring the whole tithe into the warehouse, storehouse, I'm sorry, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see that if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have enough room for it. I know in this day and age it's tight right now. I know for some of you it's not tight. But don't mess around with God's tithes. Come on, amen? Don't mess with his tithes. He's asking you to give 10% and he, you live on the rest, 90%. Because when you start messing with his tithes, things start happening. Cars break down. Refrigerators break down. I mean, that stuff happens, but all of a sudden more and more and more. The Bible says that he allows the devourer to begin to come and eat at your stuff. Give to him what is due him. Just 10%. That's all. The next thing, we come to church and life groups to worship and be discipled. Acts 2.42, they devote themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Devote yourself to that. That's worship. Those are worship. Those are fellowship things. Devote yourself. I know you're busy. We live in one of the most busiest nations of the world, right? And we live in the most, probably one of the most busiest regions of the world. But you have to make time to worship. You have to make time to spend time with other believers. Amen? in our life groups, in our prayer groups, Sunday school classes, and in our worships. Make the time to do that. You're here today and, I got, and bless you for that. And, and you're awesome. Then the next thing, it says we are to use our God-given talents in the church and to present the gospel. 1 Peter 2.9 says, But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of Him who called you out of darkness into His wonderful light. You have been called out of darkness and then you're called to help others out of darkness. 
Remember Jesus, that Jesus that people are bugged by going to all the world make disciples of all nations? He requires you to do that. It's the Ten Commandments, not, not the Ten Suggestions, and it's the Great Commission. You're commissioned to go and tell people about Jesus Christ everywhere. Well, I might lose my job. So be it. God will provide a better job. Come on, amen? If He's the Lord of your life, He will take care of you. If you really believe that, He will really take care of you. The last thing is we offer ourselves up as a living sacrifice pleasing to God. Romans 12.1 Therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Again, we don't do animal sacrifices. We don't kill people. But you're saying, God, here's my life. Take my life. And one of our prayers, and, and I want to be here as long as God calls me to be here, but I have people ask me, Pastor Stan, not in this church, none of you said that, but I have other people ask me, other pastors, so... And, and friends that aren't Christians. So how long, how long do you pastor a church? I said, until God tells me to move on. I said, God, I'll go anywhere you want me to go. I'll stay here as long. I want to stay here as long as God wants. But I will go anywhere God wants me to go. Our families, that, we've made up our minds. God, you call us anywhere. We will leave at any moment you tell us to go. And that should be your mentality. God, I'm yours. My life is yours, God. Use me in my school, in my home, in my job, in my business, in my neighborhood. Do whatever you want and let me be your vessel. And I'm telling you, you'll be free. You will be free. That is an act of worship. Amen? The last thing is this. The last thing is they returned by another route. After they experienced Jesus, they changed the route. Now, of course, the Lord told them to change the route. But if you think about this, after coming to Jesus, after experiencing Jesus, the path of your life is going to change. You're, never, you're, you're no longer going to want to get stoned all the time. You're no longer going to want to cheat anymore. You're no longer going to lie. You're, no, you're going to no longer want to do what the world does when you have Jesus in your life. Amen? Come on, because you, you, I, I have friends still that they think they're 18-year-old and on Facebook I see them, they still think that they can party every weekend and they're, they're like working these minimum wage jobs and, and they've been married and divorced five times and I'm, they're wondering what's wrong because they've not experienced Jesus. I'm no better than anyone else, but Jesus has changed my life. And I often think, especially when we sing that song, Amazing Grace, I think of where I am today and I could have been somewhere else. And you see, sometimes in the church we forget about where we were before. And we've changed our route. And you see, when you, when you meet Jesus, your life should change. For good. Amen? We, should, we shouldn't be token with our friends. We shouldn't be getting wasted with our friends. Why? Because it destroys your body, number one. But it's not a good witness, number two. Amen? You shouldn't be lying at work. You shouldn't be stealing. I mean, not, none of you do that, right, by the way? You don't lie. You don't steal. You don't cheat. But we don't have to be like the world. We are called out from darkness. And we're called to help other people because their lives are miserable. Their lives are miserable. I was talking to Robert Swope this morning and, and it was sad to see that this uh, uh, football player from the Kansas City Chiefs killed his girlfriend and committed suicide. And from the outside, you think he had it all going on. He, he was making multi-million dollars playing the NFL. This is a dream for me. But he ended it all because he was empty inside. And I don't know his faith, but I, I probably, probably didn't have Jesus in his life. And you see, all this world offers us is nothing. It's emptiness. It fades, it goes. Well, I, I would love to try living on a million dollars. Just don't let it control your life. Jesus will give you life. And so during this Christmas time, I'm asking you to rediscover who Jesus is in your life. I'm asking you to take stock of your worship. I'm asking you to take stock of how you live for God. Who have you come to worship? You see, the Bible says, if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. Would you stand with me this morning? Who have you come to worship? Who are you worshiping today? How are you living your life today? Who is the king of your life? Who is the master of your life? Have you surrendered all to Jesus? Does this baby, is he just a, another holiday that we celebrate? Or is he the King of kings and the Lord of lords of your lives this morning? Does he offend you? Because he's calling you to serve him. Are you afraid of him? Don't be afraid of Jesus. He has the best for you. Amen? Would you close your eyes and bow your heads just for the privacy of those around, just for a few moments?
I want us to worship Jesus in a moment. I want us to worship who He is this mo- in a few moments. But I want to give opportunity for, for those here this morning. Maybe you're confronted by this Jesus and you know that you need to give your life to Jesus. He's calling you. He wants you free. He wants you to be delivered from the lifestyle of the world that is destroying your life. And you want to give your life to Jesus. You want to make Him the Lord. You want Him to be the Savior of your life. If that's you this morning, with heads bowed, eyes closed, if you're saying, Pastor Jen, I want to give my life to Jesus. I want Him to be the Savior of my life. And you've never done it before. You've never done it before. Would you just raise your hand and say, I want to give my life to Jesus. Give my life to Jesus. Okay, hands down. Would, it, would everyone just pray after me? Dear Lord Jesus, I recognize that you are Emmanuel, God with us. And yes, you came to this earth as a baby, but you're going to come back as the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and as a conqueror. And so Lord, I ask for forgiveness of my sins. Forgive me for trying to live my life on my own. I give you my life. Save me. Fill me. Forgive me. Wash me. I am yours. In Jesus' name. If you made that prayer for the first time, come up. There's some books here. It says what to do, follow in Christ. Now here's the last thing. I just want you, as they're going to sing worship, I want you to worship God. Would you do that? Say, Pastor, I want to rediscover Christmas again. I want, to, I want to rediscover the true meaning of, of Jesus again. I, I, I want Jesus to disturb my life for the good. We're just going to sing. I don't know what they're going to sing, but I just want you to worship. You can li- just close your eyes, bow your heads, get on your knees, come to the altar, whatever you want to do. Lift your hands up. Say a silent prayer. Stand there. Be silent. But do and just worship right now. Some of you in this room, you need to surrender your career to Jesus. That career is consuming you. It's, it's hurting your relationships. It's keeping you up at night. It's making you do things that you should not do. Is it worth it? Lay it at the feet of Jesus this morning. Some of you, you're more concerned about your car, your clothes, your 401. You're concerned more about becoming like the world than you are about Jesus Christ. And Jesus is not against you having any of that, but it is becoming before Jesus. You need to lay that at His feet. Some of you, you have pride. And God wants you to lay that down at His feet today. Some of you are afraid of allowing God to have control. You're afraid of God speaking to you. You're afraid of reading the Word. You're afraid of being open to the Holy Spirit. Would you just lay that down right now and say, God, I I give you control so you can guide me. Some of you are worried about the future of this nation. You're worried about the, the, the nations of the world. And it's okay to be concerned. But you need to lay that fear down and say, God is the God of the universe. He is in charge. He knows what He's doing. He knows what's going on. He knows where we're going. Some of you this morning, Christmas has lost its meaning. You're bitter. You're angry. You're hurt. Would you just lay that down so you can come before the throne of God? Just lay the treasures down. Open up your treasures. And lay them down at the feet of Jesus. Whatever they might be. People, places, things, pride, intellect, yourself. Just lay it at the feet of Jesus. Come on, just worship Him right now. Think about these wise men. They, they bowed down. They, they got on their face before Jesus. And they bowed down at the King of Kings. Are you willing to bow down at the feet of Jesus today? Make Him the Lord of your life. The King of Kings. In your heart. In your worship in your life, in your career, in your marriage, in your singleness, are you willing to lay it all down and say Jesus is the master of it all? He's the Lord of it all this morning. You're the Lord of all. We lay it down before you, Jesus. Here in your love, no place I would rather be. No place I would rather be. No place I would rather be than here in your love, here in your love. So set up fire down in my soul that I can't contain, that I can't control. 
want more of you, Father. I want more of you, God. Set a fire down in my soul that I can't contain, that I can't control. I want more of you, God. I want more of you, God. So set a fire down in my soul that I can't contain, that I can't control. I want more of you, God. I want more of you, God. No place I would rather be. We worship you, Jesus. No place I we would more rather of you today. be. No place I would rather be than here in your love. Here in your love. No place I would rather be. What if we were present, Lord? No place I would rather be than here in your love, here in your love. So set up fire down in my soul that I can't contain, that I can't control. I want more of you, God. I want more of you, God. Set a fire down in my soul that I can't contain, that I can't control. I want more of you, God. I want more of you, God. No place I would rather be. No place I would rather be. No place I would rather be. Amen. Jesus is worthy. Amen. He's worthy of your praise. He's worthy of all that you have. Because He's given you all. Amen. So this Christmas, I'm asking you to rediscover the purpose and message of Christmas in your life, in your heart.